0: I am, what came to me this week that I wanted to talk about is the idea of how important love is right now. Last week, I think a couple of you were here last week, I talked about living with an undefended heart in 2022, because living with an undefended heart is really important to me. It's kind of a, the core of my practice, and I really believe that's what the Buddha was teaching, the invitation to be intimate with everything without any walls or barriers or boundaries this um, wise uh, engagement with the world and with our experience and it was it's challenging it's really challenging to do that uh, especially over the last few weeks um It's, you know, and it's really sad because I look through my notes on various things. I want to look up something I had a couple of years ago. And there's just this talk over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's really hard because, you know, that's samsara, that the world is just trapped in greed, hatred, and delusion. And so much harm is being caused by that. And it's oftentimes challenging to show up for it. But, um the invitation remains to be present and to move towards this life of of loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness and last week I read a few quotes from bell hooks and I just want to read one of them again where she talks about love and she says um, when we choose to love we choose to move against fear against alienation and separation the choice to love is a choice to connect to find ourselves in the other and i find that so important this sense of love is a a choice to connect because when we um, disconnect is when so much harm is is being caused and can be caused when because it's so easy to to other, the other person, and I'll, I'll touch on that again in a little bit. On Monday, I went to an interfaith um, gathering um, on, the foot, on the steps of City Hall, LA City Hall, and there was a large group of people in there. It was multi-faith, a lot of people from a lot of uh, different faith backgrounds, um, and it was a a, a a gathering for Buffalo, Laguna Woods, and Uvalde. And um, just to name three of all the other shootings that have happened. And um, all these, it was um, really beautiful. And, and it was kind of three parts. The first part was people were offering up... Um, um, Prayers from their own religions, blessings, um, talking about different things. And then there were a lot of people, a lot of the speakers um, mentioned the importance of love, the importance of um, being connected to love and not losing sight of how important love was the other part the other two parts of this gathering were great the the second part moved into this awareness of what causes these things how people are so entrenched in um uh you know the systems of oppression and supremacy and that cause this type of violence that people are so wrapped up in the rhetoric and um and then the last piece of it was a call to action but What I took away from that was really all these different voices from all these different faiths talking about the necessity of love. And there was one quote from the Talmud that I really liked that said, who acts from love is greater than who acts from fear. So whoever acts from love is greater than who acts from fear, because fear is what drives that separation. Fear is what drives this, 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 this ability to cause harm. And then a couple, one person mentioned. Um, didn't quote the Buddha, although this is the Buddha's quote: "Hatred never ceases through hatred, only through love." This is the eternal truth. That is the Buddha's teaching: that hatred never ceases through hatred. So even the Buddha was talking about the importance of love 2,600 years ago, and it's so easy. For us, especially when we're hurting, especially when there's grief, especially when there's pain, to fall into that trap of wanting to blame and to other and to uh, create a, a a story around. If they would, if if the only they would stop doing what they're doing, then it wouldn't hurt so much or whatever. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I heard it so much that the people spoke on Monday that the these shooters were trapped. In this ideology and we have to fight the ideology the people are deeply conditioned by what they grow up in they grow up in a bubble um, we're all in our own little bubbles whatever they are and we have to see that and break through that because those bubbles are conditions are habits of the mind habits of the body reactivity and some cause great harm and some don't but if we have a A foundation that is love and connection, that we intentionally have a foundation of love and connection, that's going to lead us in a direction that's wiser, that doesn't cause harm, you know? And we have to see this and we have to get out of our bubble. Othering and hatred is too easy otherwise. It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to do that. I find I found myself doing that when I would hear something on the TV or read something that someone said and I would just just react. And then I'd catch myself and it's like that's not who you want to be. That's not where you want to go. How do I come back from that? It doesn't mean we don't feel it. You know? It doesn't mean we don't have those experiences, but we don't react from it. And that's why I think it's important to consciously bring this it, intentional this idea of intentionally moving towards love moving towards connection Um, grief is necessary these feelings are necessary grief is the heart's natural response to loss and we have to grieve to allow ourselves to feel this pain and it allows us to acknowledge and integrate the pain and it takes courage. It's a lot easier to say, I don't want to feel this. It's your fault. You know, we fall into this trap of blame. And um, that, that, that there are people who are responsible. There are people who are accountable for causing harm. But we can name it without getting into this place of, of um, being enmeshed in it if that makes sense. they like, say this person is capable, but I don't have to get into that. I have to kill you. I have to, whatever, whatever the reaction is. Um, we don't want to be trapped there and let that grief turn into hate. Audre Lord said, we have to constantly study how to be tender with each other until it becomes a habit. And Jack Kornfield said, by practicing with mindfulness... We align ourselves with those who refuse to hate. And with each moment of compassion, we sow seeds of peace. So it's a continual mindful practice of paying attention. Because it's, like I said, it's so easy to slip into that. I saw myself doing that last week. I see myself doing that with, around politics. I see myself doing that around so many things. And I that... I'm sitting by myself in a room seething. It does no good except get my energy churning. So um, we have to acknowledge that there is greed and hatred and um, ignorance and that these defilements, these three poisons are everywhere causing this harm. All the harm I've caused is because I was caught in that ignorant place. I I was caught in my conditioning. I was making sure I took care of myself. I was acting out of fear. And a lot of these people who cause harm act out of fear not i love the the there's a there's a phrase in alcoholics anonymous that talks about not getting something you want the fear of not getting something you want or losing something you have that's basic buddhism absolutely fear of not getting or losing pushing pulling holding on clinging grasping and that's the, ultimately that and so if that's our foundation we're going to constantly lash out at those who we think are causing us harm those who we think need to be punished those we're fearful of whereas if we have this place of love and compassion we have an entire shift in how we view the world um you know uh alexander solzhenitsyn has that great quote that i really love and he said If it were all so simple, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart. Recognition that we all experience the human condition. That we all are participating in this, or can participate in this, or there's a tendency to move in that direction, that it, it it's so much easier to blame, it's so much easier to go down that path, but instead, how can we recognize that we are interconnected, and that we want to have this... Um, this foundation of love and connectedness, that's so important because when we're disconnected, it's, that's when it's easy to cause harm. I, I, I heard recently, and I have heard it before, and, and so I looked it up, that quote from Neil de Crosse Tyson, the, astro, the, phys, the astronomer, what, I don't know what it is, astrophysicist, whatever he is, whatever his title is, um, and he talked about, we're stardust. This is that great, that great quote of his. What we do know, he's talking about the creation of the universe, what we do know and what we can assert without further hesitation is that the universe had a beginning. The universe continues to evolve and yes every one of our body's atoms is traceable to the big bang into the thermonuclear furnaces within high mass stars that exploded more than five billion years ago. We are stardust brought to life then empowered by the universe to figure itself out and we have only just begun. So we're all, I mean, going back to atoms, we're interconnected. And he, in, and Thich Nhat Hanh is so eloquent about that intercon, interbeing. You know, we're all just so interconnected. And his, one famous poem he has, I think it's called Me By My Real Name, and he, he lists all these things. He, and one of the things is, you know, I am the frog and I am the snake that feeds on the frog, you know, we're, we're so interconnected, and this sense of separation is false. And when we move into separation, that's when we cause harm. That's when it's easy to cause harm, this othering. And in fact, Tyson, um, de tyson says, humans have developed an observer-observed view of the world. We, perse- we perceive the world as out there, while we are somewhere over here. So it's just how our brains have developed this othering is natural so it takes an effort to m- get to a place where we're not othering. I mean we do it so easily so we have to pay attention. Um Dr. Michael Yellowbird, I've talked about him before. He's a um he's an indigenous uh, he's um I think northeast northwestern US or Canada anyway. And he, t- he teaches about neuro-decolonization. And he talks about how when you practice mindfulness, those parts of the brain are activated that recognize connect- connection and, and activate compassion and empathy so that we are more uh, connected with each other. So there's an actual neuro-whatever, phys- neuro- neurological react response or result from this practice of mindfulness that supports this idea of connection so it it's so important in this practice of mindfulness to recognize that's the direction we're going in to honor the idea that we're all connected we're all human beings we're all human beings it's i mean it's 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 so obvious. And all the distinctions between us are just made up. Um, You can trace the the distinctions back into when they were made up. And you know that the othering is very, is very fluid and very malleable. Like if I'm having a fight with my neighbor, but then the guy across the street starts throwing rocks at us, then my neighbor and I are going to get together and fight him. And so it's like, you know it just moves around depending on what we want what we're what our fears are what our desires are and so just to recognize that they're not set in stone and we can be um we can let them go we can let those idea go let those ideas go um and to support this the buddha gave us a teaching of loving kindness the metta sutta You know, which is so important. Um, I'll just read a couple of lines from it, which I I know you're all familiar with it. When, um, you know, this is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness. Everyone should be skilled in goodness. That's where you're headed. You want to be that. Um, All these folks wishing In gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. You know, all beings, living beings, whatever they may be, whether they're weak or strong, omitting none. That, to me, is one of the most important two words in this whole sutta. Omitting none. The great, the mighty, the medium, the short, the small, the seen, the unseen, those near and far away, those born to be born. May all beings be at ease all beings all of us so there's this emphasis on loving kindness or on love on friendliness on metta it's the antidote to anger it's the antidote to this separation because just as we 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 want ourselves to be treated we have to want others to be treated um you know in the early text it says we have to live with a heart imbued with loving kindness compassion joy and equanimity it's just how we show up in the world that's what it talks about in the second factor of uh eightfold path intention we move through the world with friendliness with contention and len- of renunciation of that which causes suffering that takes us away from liberation and wisdom and and awakening we we have this um you know and the precepts don't cause harm cultivate the good that's all what it's about so that has to be the foundation this foundation of love and kindness because if you have this foundation when you're in that moment of decision should i slug this person or should i not oh yeah loving kindness compassion we stop them from causing harm as best we can but we don't cause harm on our own end The Buddha, this is that famous sutta, the simile of the saw, where the Buddha says, Monks, even if the bandits were to carve you up savagely, limb by limb, with a two handled saw, he among you who lets his heart get angered, even at that, would not be doing my bidding. That's post doctorate level work in this practice, but that's the aspiration. That's the aspiration. That's where we move to. We have to move in that direction. And then I also want to bring in the um teachings of Bhikkhu Bodhi about not just, you know, because so often Buddhists have this um idea that this 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 place of love and kindness and friendliness is this place of Whatever you know, doormat. Oh well, I can't help it. I can't be blah blah blah. And it's not that at all. It's this place of recognizing when there's account there's accountability, recognizing when people are causing harm, and doing something about it. But coming from a place of love rather than fear and hatred. There may be anger. We we have those emotions, but we don't let them take over. We let we acknowledge their existence but we don't let them take over. Somebody, I was talking about this the other night, and there was a woman who shared that in Zen, they have something called an open heart, a broken heart. You can have a broken heart. You're open, and you let it break. That's an undefended heart. It's open, and it breaks, but there's a freedom in that. You don't have to hide from the break. But Bhikkhu Bodhi says, and I love this, this thing he, I think... I have it. I printed this out in two thousand eight, and it's from Buddha Dharma. I don't know when that when it was actually printed, but um, he said, "If Buddhism in the West becomes solely a means to pursue personal spiritual growth, I am apprehensive it may evolve into a one-sided way and thus fulfill only half its potential." You know, he said, "It's true that Buddhist meditation practice requires seclusion and inwardly focused depth." But wouldn't the embodiment of Dharma in the world be more complete by also reaching out and addressing the grinding miseries that are ailing humanity? I I love that line. Reaching out and addressing the grinding miseries that are ailing humanity. The special challenge facing Buddhism in our age is to stand up as an advocate for justice in the world, a voice of conscience for those victims of social, economic, and political injustice who cannot stand up and speak for themselves. This, in my view, is a deeply moral challenge, marking a watershed in the modern expression of Buddhism. I believe it also points in a direction that Buddhism should take if it is to share in the Buddha's ongoing message to humanity. So, there is this call to social action and justice and ending suffering, but deeply grounded in the Buddhist teachings of love. You know, that's where the the idea of the bodhisattva comes in. You know, we we vow to end suffering. Suffering is endless, but we want to end it anyway. You know, beings are numberless, but we want to save all of them. So, it's this aspiration to end suffering where we see it. It's so important, but it has to be grounded in love or so easily it can turn into what, you, what you're what you working against, the, the, the greed and the hatred and the delusion. So uh, really, really, really important. And also know that it's not going to be done in your lifetime. So get over that, you know, that challenge of it's got, I got, you know, I got to get it done. It's like we just keep plugging along. We just keep plugging along. This stuff's been going on for a long time. Buddha talked about this stuff 2,600 years ago, and it still ain't done. So, I when I was uh, in graduate school, I was learning ancient languages. I was learning Akkadian, and usually, when you learn a language, you learn how to say hello, how are you, what's your name. The first thing we learned was, and the king hung the heads of his enemies around the palace. And so, you know, that stuff's like 4,000 years old. So this shit was been going on for a long time. So um, we just work to do what we can. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. Um, thanks for your, your kind attention. It's so nice to be with you tonight.